0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers
1: And this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Life is filled with pain and suffering. Thankfully, there are many different ways we learn to cope. We let things roll off our backs. We toughen up and face problems head on. We can rely on good friends and family help. But when none of that works, the people who suffer in silence will enact their revenge on those who have caused them pain. And there's little that anyone can do about it. First, there's something fishy about the school bullies, followed by the menacing glare of feral cats. Then, a friendly neighbor with sinister secrets. Finally, in our featured story, a lover's quarrel gone awry. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. And of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast along with a story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Suffer in silence. Never force a favor because a favor is just like a wish. If you're not careful, you might get something much worse than you bargained for. Like in this story by Colin. Riley, a self-proclaimed theater geek was also a bit of an introvert. She spent most of her free time at school backstage, perfecting her skills as a special effects makeup artist and paid little attention to anything else. One day, she was approached by the trio three young women that were classic high school mean girls. The Queen Bee, who went by Niagara, and her two cronies, Mandy and Seiko. They walked up to Riley with a request. Niagara's dad was throwing a huge 18th birthday party for her, and the theme was Mystery Under the Sea. They wanted to go as sirens devious monsters of the deep. Niagara offered Riley $300 to make the costumes for them, but Riley did have her hands full with two upcoming school productions and said she couldn't juggle anything else. Niagara, of course, was offended that someone would refuse her and her squad, and within moments, the three tyrants decided to take it out on the plaster bus that Riley had worked on for months they smashed them into the ground. And before leaving, Niagara warned Riley that this was just the beginning. For every production she worked on, the trio vowed to find a way to ruin it. Riley was left alone to pick up the shattered pieces of both the ceramics and her self-worth. A few days passed and Riley approached the trio. She said she would help them if, they swore to leave her and her future projects alone. They were delighted to get their way, and half-heartedly promised to leave Riley alone forever, if she did this for them. Riley said that she would need to make casts of each of their faces, to have as a base for the costume's makeup and accessories. They agreed to meet her after school for the fitting. Later that day, the trio met backstage, where Riley had tarps on the floor and her tools ready. She explained the process of how plaster would go over their faces. They would need to dry and that it might feel claustrophobic. But it's a quick drying agent, so it would only take an hour. They sat on their stools as Riley worked on them. Within 20 minutes, the trio's faces were covered, and they sat still, letting the mold dry. Riley sat back and watched. A grin slowly crept across her face as she looked at the timer. Suddenly, they began to struggle and push against the molds. They twisted and turned as they tried to pull away from the thick plaster that started to move and ooze around their faces as if it was alive. (laughs) Riley laughed as the young ladies fell to the floor, screaming for help. Finally. They managed to remove their molds and gasped at Riley with renewed threats. Riley fired back. You should all be careful who you push around. They might be more devious than you. Riley motioned for them to look in the mirror. All three looked at their reflections and screamed. Each of their heads were now covered in shiny scales. Their eyes all now a deep, soulless black. Fin-like ridges replaced their long hair and large gills throbbed on their necks. Riley gave them exactly what they wanted for the party. They were now forever mysteries of the deep. You better hurry to the ocean, Riley said. Soon it will be the only way you can breathe. The trio of young fishwomen ran from the school, breathlessly to their new ocean home. Riley smiled and took the three molds to the back of the studio where there was a locked door. She unlocked it and flipped on the light, where she was greeted with rows and rows of other busts of all of those foolish enough to cross her path that she then turned into all sorts of monstrosities the trio would make a fine addition to her collection of horrors unleashed on the world. Thank you so much, Colin, for inspiring this siren story. Listener, how do you handle people who are bullies? Do you think that Riley was too harsh with her revenge? Would you like for us to follow the story of... The trio and their siren adventures. Their mysteries of the deep.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Visiting family can be
1: fun or incredibly stressful, particularly if they have a haunted secret. Like in this story inspired by Saturn. The summer that I was 12, I went to visit my cousin George. He lived on a property that was largely unchanged since the 1790s. He swore the house and land was haunted because there was a cemetery on it. George also said there were three feral cats that lived on the property named Oleander, Thrash, and Mary. Mary was named after the tombstone she always slept on. So when my parents asked if I could visit him, I jumped at the chance. The house was overgrown with Ivy and the property went on for miles. I immediately saw the three cats slinking around when I first arrived. Mary was the most terrifying. She was a little mangy and seemed to hate people, especially me. That afternoon, through rain covered windows, I peered out onto the cemetery where I could see an old, dilapidated fountain in its center. The pool of the fountain seemed to shine and drew my curiosity. The second the rain let up, George and I headed for the cemetery. He said, we weren't allowed near the fountain. So, of course, we smiled and beelined toward it. It was twice our height, and the center had gargoyles carved into it. As I looked at the bottom through an inch of water from the day's rain, something shimmered all around. I couldn't figure out what it was, so I decided to climb into it. I stepped in and realized the flooring was made of broken stained glass, as if it had come from a church. I reached down to grab a piece, and when I stood proudly to show George, the ground beneath me cracked and caved. I plunged into a murky body of water below. George reached in to pull me up. A relief that was cut short was when I felt bony fingers wrap around my ankle and yank. George pulled with all his might, but I kept getting jerked under the water. Whenever my head surfaced, I would yell out, Harder, George, only to be taken down again. Finally, George got me up enough that I got my waist over the rim of the fountain. George's face trembled in fear, and tears filled his eyes as he looked behind me at what was holding me. I knew I couldn't look back until I was safe. I was too scared to do anything but try to escape. Please, keep pulling, I begged. And George found his courage and grabbed me hard and pulled me towards him. Suddenly, behind George, I saw all three cats barreling towards us with menacing looks on their faces. I locked eyes with Mary, who ran up and hissed just inches from my face. I squeezed my eyes shut and prepared for an attack. But Mary wasn't hissing at me. I felt the three cats walk down my back towards whatever held on to me. The cats screeched and hissed, and something let out a deep moan. Within a few seconds, my leg was free, and I flew on top of George, and we held each other. I turned to finally see what was after me. I peered into the fountain and saw the cats on top of it. It was a dark gray creature, human-like, with thick, throbbing veins and mottled, rancid flesh. An ancient-looking creature that had spent maybe centuries suspended between life and death, no doubt imprisoned in the murky black waters below the enchanted fountain. It was strong and desperate to escape the fountain. It placed a hand on the ledge, Then the second hand came up, despite the cat's frenzied attacks. George and I crawled away backwards, and as we witnessed, more and more of the creature emerged. The fear overwhelmed us, and we ran toward the house as fast as we could. But then suddenly, there was a thunderous hiss and an unholy, ear-splitting shriek, and then dead silence. We looked back at the fountain, and it was as if nothing had happened. The flooring was back to its stained glass bottom, and the three cats sat on its ledge. Mary in the middle had something in her mouth. We walked up to the cat, and she dropped from her mouth two bloody black eyeballs dripping with blood. They began to smoke and dissolve, and Mary hissed. She kept hissing and yowling until we got far away from the fountain and back inside the house where we stayed for the rest of my visit. Thank you so much, Saturn, for inspiring this haunted gargoyle tale for us. Listener, what creature do you think was attacking them? Do you think your cats are pets? could or would protect you do you have a story of when that might have happened tell us at something scary at snarl.com everyone has secrets hiding behind their smiles some put on a friendly face to conceal their pain but others use that facade To cover something far more dangerous. Like in this story, inspired by Philip. Enzo's neighborhood was relatively quiet and didn't have much going on. But that all changed when James moved into the house across the street. A lot of people seemed to like James, maybe because he looked a lot like the beloved actor Tom Hanks. But there was just something about the too-nice-man that Enzo didn't trust. The new neighbor was friendly, but also a stickler for the rules in the community. He was always on hand to be helpful, but also make very firm suggestions for everyone's quality of life. Instead of the leaf blowers and gas-powered lawnmowers everyone used, James insisted everyone used rakes, brooms, and manual mowers instead. Even going so far as to buy those items for everyone on their street, everyone preferred their machines, but James's too-friendly smile and generosity eventually had everyone doing it his way. On top of all of James's quirks, on numerous occasions, Enzo had seen James carry a bunch of large black trash bags in the middle of the night from his car to his garage. When Enzo told his parents, they laughed it off, saying that James was just a little weird, but harmless. One weekend when his parents were out of town, Enzo got bored and decided to spy on James. James was outside tending to his garden, when a very large pickup truck rumbled down the street. Its wheels screeched as mud flew from the tires onto James's roses. The truck belonged to Cole, the neighbor at the end of the block that no one really liked. As Cole got out of his truck and walked to his front door, Enzo noticed that James was staring at the man. Menacingly, his eyes filled with rage. That night, Enzo woke up to the sound of loud yelling coming from James's house. He grabbed his binoculars, ran outside, and hid behind a bush. From his vantage point, Enzo could see Cole tied to a chair in James' living room. Cole had tears streaming down his face and seemed to be begging for his life. Suddenly, James gave his friendly smile and used his pruning shears to slit Cole's throat from ear to ear. Enzo couldn't believe his eyes. He had just witnessed a murder. He ran back inside and called the police. Enzo watched as the police knocked on James's door and he warmly welcomed them inside. James gave the police a tour and soon had the police laughing and joking with him. Eventually, He gave them a covered dish and sent them on their way as if the murder Enzo witnessed had never happened. The next morning, Enzo woke up and while James was at work, he snuck into the man's backyard and looked for clues. He came across a giant compost bin. He knew that compost was a way of recycling unused food and turning it into fertilizer. A chill ran down his spine as he opened the bin and saw dismembered, rotted body parts with maggots crawling all over them. Enzo's eyes swelled up as he ran out of the yard, gagging. Enzo called the police again, but when they showed up, they found nothing abnormal. Enzo's parents returned home and were embarrassed to hear about their son's bad behavior. They demanded that he go over to James's house with a cake and apologize, but he refused. He'd rather be grounded than buried by his neighbor. Days later, Enzo came home to find his parents sitting at the kitchen table, ravenously eating dinner. Enzo was starving. And as he sat down next to his parents and bit into the sausage on his plate, he was overcome with the flavors of his meal. He told his parents that this was the best sausage he'd ever had. He asked his mother where she got this recipe And that's when she told him that earlier this afternoon, James had dropped by with the meal as a peace offering between him and the neighborhood. James said they were homemade locally sourced sausages. Nothing on the animal goes to waste and all the veggies were grown in his garden from his compost with a mouthful of food. Enzo's father chimed in and excitedly said that James has offered to help teach the neighborhood how to become more environmentally friendly with their food as well. Overcome with nausea, Enzo ran upstairs to his room and puked. Sensing he was being watched, Enzo looked out the bathroom window to find James staring back at him. The neighbor looked menacingly at Enzo, then smiled and waved. Enzo looked at the blood-stained garden gloves worn by the man and screamed. Thank you so much, Philip, for inspiring this friendly neighborhood horror for us. Listener, do you recycle? How far would you take recycling? There is such a thing as zero waste, For instance, what are other things you can do to help protect our planet without hurting other people, of course. At least, the ones that don't deserve it. There is no bond stronger than love. Those that are in love move heaven and earth to be together. And if you stand in the way of that love, then they will show no remorse in moving you either. Arjun, a young Indian man, was tilling his father's crops when a large cobra surprised him in the field. Instinctively, he drove his rake into the snake and killed it instantly. He immediately regretted killing the reptile, but had to finish his work before what the weather reports were saying would be the worst storm of the year. Once the storm hit, everyone in the town of Kimsa sheltered in their homes, including Arjun and his father. Thunder cracked over and over as an unending stream of lightning bolts danced across the sky. Arjun peered out the window and through the heavy sheets of rain saw a young woman wandering the street in front of his house. The wind pushed her about until she fell to the ground and Arjun sprang to his feet and ran outside. He lifted the woman out of the puddles and offered his home as protection until the storm passed. The woman was so grateful for the help. She explained that she had missed her bus and thought she could make her way home before the storm hit. Arjun lit the fire while his father went to make hot tea. Finally, getting a good look at her, Arjun was mesmerized by her beauty. "'I'm Fatima,' she said as her deep brown eyes pierced his soul. The house shook with each boom of thunder, and the lights flickered as the wind picked up speed outside and shook the power lines. Arjun and Fatima lit candles while his father barred the doors and windows. The storm was expected to rage for hours." and there would be much destruction to contend with afterwards. Arjun just hoped their house would survive the night. Fatima suggested they play 20 questions to get to know one another. Soon, Fatima learned that Arjun had been working on the farm since he was nine, and Arjun learned that Fatima worked in town and had recently lost her husband. During dinner, Arjun's father went over the young man's chores, and that's when Arjun remembered the snake. Filling his father in on the guilt he felt made the man chuckle. That snake would have ruined the crops. You did the right thing. Let's just hope it wasn't an Ichhad Hari Nagin, his father joked. His father explained that if a snake lived for 100 years without doing harm, it became sacred and was granted the power to transform into whatever it wanted. The snake Arjun saw looked like a cobra, and his father asked if he had seen its mate. Arjun shook his head. He hadn't. Then you're fine, because if there's a mate, they are not to be separated. And if one of them is killed, the other will seek revenge. His father jokingly hissed at Arjun and then began cleaning up the plates. Even though he knew his father was teasing him, he still felt worried. Fatima then put her hand on Arjun's. It was only folklore, she said. Arjun relaxed and focused on the fondness he began to feel for his guest. But slowly, Fatima's gentle embrace grew tighter. At first, this made Arjun smile. But as she continued to squeeze, Arjun's fear returned. Her nails dug into his skin, and his bones began to creak. Ah! Arjun screamed in pain. Arjun's father ran into the room just as Fatima began to transform. Her eyes turned yellow, and her skin separated into scales as it turned a shiny black. The woman's hair fused together into a hooded shape, and finally, the hand squeezing Arjun's hand tighter and tighter became her tail. She writhed before them, her transformation back into a giant cobra was now complete. You killed my husband, and now you and your family will pay, she hissed. Her head then snapped forward like lightning and bit into Arjun. Her fangs sunk into him, but released only a small amount of venom, just enough to render him immobile. Arjun watched helplessly as the giant cobra whipped her tail around his father's legs and pulled the man hard to the floor. The cobra made a pleased hiss as she slowly dragged Arjun's begging and screaming father across the floor towards her fearsome maw. Her cobra head rose above Arjun's father and his eyes widened. Her first strike was to his juggler, ripping flesh and veins apart. Arjun's father gasped for sounds he could no longer make as she swallowed his windpipe. She then struck his stomach, ripping his organs, sending them flying through the house. And finally, while Arjun watched his father struggle with consciousness, Fatima punctured the patriarch's eyes with her fangs and released her poison into his brain. Tears streamed down Arjun's paralyzed face. Soon, The poison would wear off, and he would be left there alone with his dead father and a lifetime of guilt. The Ichad Nagin slithered from the farmhouse and found her way to her mate. She coiled up next to its lifeless body and looked into its dead eyes again, where she then saw the image of its killer, Arjun, slowly fade away. The cobra Fatima looked to the raging heavens above her and said, I must... Ready. Her serpentine gods heard her plea, and a bolt of lightning surged through the sky and struck her down. She took her last earthly breath, joining her mate in the afterlife, where the two lovers could be together forever. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markeia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markeia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. Executive producer is Gail Gilman.